Hi guys, welcome to the Chatter from the Cheap Seats podcast. I'm your host, Jack Feldman, alongside my co-hosts, Oriachin and Sammy Krimstein. Uh, be sure to follow us, uh, follow us on Instagram at chatter underscore cheap seats pod. And you can get the podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Anchor. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for the support we got on our previous episode. Uh, we've got a lot of feedback from you guys, uh, both positive and negative, mainly positive, which I'm very happy about. Uh, but... One of the feedbacks we got was that you guys liked the story at the beginning. So I'm going to tell, tell another story here about our baseball team. We were at a tournament uh, down in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, oh, yeah. called Sports at the Beach. And for anyone that uh, hasn't been there, it's basically you stay in these dorms. that, that It's like sleepaway camp, but like, like not as nice. So it's dirty. It's not as nice. Everybody's cooped up in, in a room. And I just got AirPods at the beginning of that um that tournament and I was constantly losing them all the time. So I made every single person on our team search for like three hours for the AirPods. And then I was so upset. We we were driving back from the tournament at the end. I was so upset. Look in my pocket. I feel the AirPods. I'm like, Oh my God, everyone's going to kill me. And anyway, that wasn't the only crazy thing that happened that tournament. Uh, This kid on our team, Charlie, we were at the boardwalk the night before and he got he won a pair of handcuffs at the boardwalk so ori here okay, ori well, overslept oh, or you want to finish this story? I, I mean i like oh my God. i forgot you know, about that i i do like to sleep a lot so i i'm pretty <laughs> vulnerable uh when that does happen and um so yeah so i uh i go to sleep you know we all stayed up pretty late so i'm big on getting a lot of sleep so i was asleep and um apparently what had happened was Charlie, well, I'll say from my perspective, I wake up and, uh, you know, everything's fine. There, uh, I see a bunch of kids, like a bunch of our teammates just laughing at me. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I look funny. Like <laughs> nothing is there. But, but then I'm like, okay, let me get out of bed and maybe eat some breakfast or something. I try to get out and I feel something grab my wrist. <laughs> I look and Someone handcuffed me to the freaking bed. And then as soon as Ori gets handcuffed, we all go outside and we play stickball with a tennis ball. And it was so fun. And we were just launching absolute tanks. And then, of course, our coach comes out and he's like, this is good practice, guys. Why don't you use this heavy bat? And then it sucked because we were, we were using like a 35-ounce bat, but, but like a plus two. But Sammy, what do you remember about that day? Yeah, um, well, I think later that day, um, I think um, – it was it was that tournament for sure. I can't remember what day it was exactly, but um Yeah, I know what you're talking you about. You got yeah, um you guys went down um there there's like a basketball court at the tournament and uh so all, all you guys I went down and I, I can't remember like I, I think I'm I might be like slower getting redder. I'm not exactly sure how it happened, but um long story short um I was stuck in the dorm by myself. And, <laughs> that was pretty um, funny. And <laughs> And yeah, everyone, um, and I was locked in there. Like I, I, I was, uh, trying to pull at the door. How long wasn't were you working. there for? Oh, God, I, it was, I honestly don't remember. It was probably like 10, 15 minutes. I was just like, how'd you get out in there? And uh, 
how did I, I think I called one of you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't I, 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 no, no, what happened is we were playing basketball, so we all had our phones to the side. And then all of a sudden, Eli, who's another kid on our team, he also does his own podcast. Shout out, Underdog Podcast. Check it out, yeah. But, um, but he was like, hey, guys, we're Sammy. And we're all like, oh, shit, where is Sammy? And I <laughs> oh, checked my phone, and I have like five missed calls from Sammy. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. And if I remember correctly, Oh my God. Uh, you went through the bathrooms because there were bathrooms connected to our dorms and you went yep. into another oh, team's yeah. bunk, right? And that, that's how I got out because, yeah, because... Because they had locks on the outside. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. I remember, yeah, I was like, it kind of felt awkward going through the other team's bunk. I was like, uh. thankfully no <laughs> one was in there. And then, yeah, I mean, that was crazy. And that's not all. Uh, the last thing that happened that day was it, it was that night and... uh. It's kid on our team, Kenny, who if you don't know Kenny, he's he's a real goofball. Uh he was he was just messing around the entire night. And then um there's other kid, George, who is just always full of energy, a little bit crazy. And so anyway, they were going at it the entire night. And everyone just wanted I just wanted to go to bed and they wouldn't shut up the entire night. And we had a game the next morning and um actually no, we had a game at two o'clock the next day, which was nice. Everyone slept in. But um but Kenny went to the bathroom at like three in the morning so he's a little out of it it's three in the morning and everyone's still up and we all decide to lock kenny we we, we locked the door to her bunk so kenny was stuck in the bathroom and he was banging on the wall and then all of a sudden he just crashes into the wall and the entire door just breaks and that was definitely a crazy day we we were lucky we did not get into more trouble probably should have gotten into more trouble than we did that day yeah you know i <laughs> I remember when you guys were uh, locking Kenny in the in the bathroom, and I, I was just like sitting on my bed watching. I like, I, you know, I you know I wasn't gonna stop you guys, but uh, Sammy's <laughs> definitely the uh, the innocent one of the team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. I guess so. <laughs> well, well, we got some sports news here. Um, uh, the first bit of sports news we've we have gotten in a while, which was the NBA proposed a plan that they're going to share with the public on June 1st to come back. And I think the big thing is right now, I think we can all agree that the sport that's like on to, that's like has the date set and it the earliest and is like the most ready to come back is baseball right now. I'm not saying that they're the best sport to come back, but I think they were on top of things. They were the only sport that had a plan up um, proposed to the players and they kind of dropped the ball. I mean, they have been fighting so much with the yeah. with the players' association, and I feel like they're in such a tough spot. Baseball is because of the players' association. Hockey, I don't know what's going on in hockey. Football is not supposed to start for a while. This is a real opportunity for basketball. They had a conference call with all the um with a bunch of players and Chris Paul, who's the head of the players' association. It was conducted by Chris oh, yeah. Paul and featured LeBron James, Giannis, Steph Curry and Russell Westbrook, and a, a lot of more players, a lot more players, and Adam Silver was on it. And uh, it says, barring an unforeseen turn of events, many NBA owners, executives, and, Nash, and the NBA Players Association believe Adam Silver will greenlight the return to play in June with games expected to resume sometime before the end of July, which, which leads me to believe that it's still going to be after baseball is supposed to come back. Yeah. But I think the fact that the players and the um, owners are – able to get along which is very unlike baseball is a good sign yeah um uh 
I, I, it's very exciting, you know, to hear that the NBA is making progress, um, you know, which uh, MLB, obviously, like you said, uh, has made, uh, was making the most progress, but um, it, it's exciting to see that the NBA, you know, has a plan and uh, they're getting ready to maybe start some games up soon. Yeah, and um, they're going to release it, so we're going to obviously see the finer details, but we know that they want to start playing and they want to start playing soon. And it seems like unlike baseball, as Jack mentioned, um, you know, the owners and the players, you know, they're on board and they're on the same page when it comes to uh, starting the league again. So that that's really exciting. Um, but I do know that we have a hot take from Sammy that I, I want to hear. Yeah. So um, I do have a hot take today and uh, that is, after, um, of course, assuming there will be a 2020 NFL season, after this season, Aaron Rodgers is not going to play another game in a Green Bay Packers uniform, which I'm not really sure uh, how hot that take really is. Um, you know, it, it's been a lot of talk because, of course, uh, the Jordan Love draft pick, Aaron Rodgers came out. Uh, he said, you know, he was surprised by the pick, but... um he said that he would work with it and he saw that green Bay was working for the future. So Jordan love is obviously not, um, he's not going to be in green Bay to back up Aaron Rodgers for the long term. And, um, you know, there's, there's some more things to prove that, uh, Rogers is probably his time in green Bay is probably coming to an end. I mean, they had a great year last year, 13 and three, right? Uh, they're not going to repeat that. I, I don't think they're going to go 13-3. I think they may even, you know, finish 8-8 eight and eight or below. Because um, when you just look at the facts, I mean, they lost um, Jimmy Graham to the Bears. They lost uh, Geronimo Allison to um, the Lions, uh, two of their top receiving threats. And that weakens an already weak um, receiving core. Uh that's something they didn't improve at all this offseason. Devontae Adams is always going to be, you know, elite, but uh, he's really all they have um, besides uh, Valdis Scantling. It's a tough name to pronounce. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, so you're looking uh, – Green Bay is probably going to regress. So they're probably going to look at Aaron Rodgers and be like, well, maybe your time is up. And I don't know, I think there's uh, a lot of things telling us that Aaron Rodgers uh, might soon be out in Green Bay. But what do you guys think? I, I mean, I can't help but agree. You know, they have, um, they've been doing everything to, to, get, to get him more and more angry. I mean, his receiving core, uh, as you mentioned, is, is very <laughs> underwhelming. And, you know, they had a chance um, with their pick in the first round and with any of their picks in the draft to, you know, address this need. And, you know, they didn't really do a great job of that. And, you know, on top of that, you know, they drafted a quarterback, right? And when you sign Aaron Rodgers for, you know, they have him for four more years, like, are you drafting now for five years? I think that's a stretch. I think they're more looking at Jordan Love becoming the quarterback in two years, two, three years, um, or else Weissman a first-round pick. And if that's the case, then they're not going to keep Aaron Rodgers. And it's crazy that Aaron Rodgers, you know, all he wants to do, it seems, is to stay on Green Bay. You know, he said that he wanted to be a Green Bay Packer um, his whole career. 
and he said he wants to stay on the team, but they're really, really doing everything, uh, you know, to combat that and actually uh, get rid of yeah. And um, And not only did they draft Jordan Love, they traded up to draft Jordan Love, which says a lot. Yeah. And also, um, Sam, you mentioned Jimmy Graham earlier. God, he's, he's one of those guys like Frank Gore. He feels like he's been in the league forever. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah, very over – the Bears gave him a huge contract. He's, uh, he's being a little overpaid right now. But, um, you know, the Packers lose out on him. They lose out on Geronimo Allison. So, you know, like I'm saying, that, that receiving core is just I – yeah, I mean, it's one of the weakest in the league. Um, and then, you know – this is a team I think uh, that's looking ahead. You know, Aaron Jones is I think going to be a staple in that uh, organization. I think he's he's going to be uh, on the team for the long run. And you know, Devontae Adams is probably going to be there for the long run. Aaron Rodgers has already been here and, for the long yeah, run. Yeah, and, and they signed him. They just signed him to a contract extension like a year and a half ago in 2018. And it just shows like how quickly downhill this relationship went between the Packers. And Aaron Rodgers, and you see this a lot with uh, the aging quarterbacks. You saw it with Brett Favre. You see, you saw it with with Tom Brady. At, at the end of a lot of very good um, NFL players, especially quarterbacks' careers, they end up with another team. A lot of people don't know Joe Namath was not a Jet for his entire career. Tom Brady is not going. A lot of people know this, obviously, is not going to be a Patriot for his entire career. Yep. There's a good chance that Aaron Rodgers is not a Packer for his entire career. And it's one of those things, you always picture him in the Packer uniform. You're always going to picture him in the Packer uniform. And it's one of those things that after it's over, you just want to get it out of your mind and you want to forget yeah. about it. Yeah, you know, um, Brett Favre, you know, you were talking about Brett Favre. And Brett Favre um, went to the Vikings after, you know, he, you know, his years with the Packers. So, you know, do you think... Aaron Rodgers could be going to a division rival. I mean, what's a team in that division with uh, an immense quarterback need? The Chicago Bears. I mean, ah, that would be crazy if you. And I mean, you, you may you may think I'm I'm you know going crazy, but I, I have seen uh, a lot of analysts saying that in next few years, um, Aaron Rodgers could be in a Chicago Bears uniform, which would be a huge change for me as a bear fan uh, rooting for Aaron Rodgers, That's, it's a little hard to picture right now, but you never know. I mean, the bears have that big QB need um, for sure. And maybe Trubisky will be better. And maybe Foles will uh, come in and do the job. But if, if neither of those options work, uh, we could see Aaron Rodgers in a bears uniform, which is, uh, I think, I think that would be uh, pretty entertaining, but I'm wondering, um, you know, obviously the Patriots, they have Brady. Um, and then they, uh, they do draft Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and then they uh, move him to the 49ers. You know, he wanted that big deal and they gave him to the 49ers. Now, obviously he was drafted later than Jordan Love. But do you think something like that could happen if, um, if Aaron Rodgers still plays at a high level uh, throughout his contract? Yeah, I mean that's that's absolutely a possibility. I mean, it happened like you said, New England with uh, Garoppolo, um, Nick Foles. I mean, that's kind of how he earned his big contract. You know, playing as a backup. Uh, the only way I think that will happen is if um, there's an injury. You know, Rogers get gets hurt, which is very light. I mean, you know, he's had a ton of injuries. He's playing uh in a division with Khalil Mack. 
Dan- Daniel Hunter. I mean, a lot of, you know, guys that are out to hurt him. Uh, but, um, yeah, if there's a Rogers injury, uh, I think Love could possibly show that he um, is of starting caliber, and maybe then he gets a trade like Garoppolo got to get a big contract. Uh, we- we'll just have to see how that plays out. You know, it's really amazing how easy it is for how, how highly touted and how, like, how valuable quarterbacks are in the NFL that you see a guy like, for example, Brock Osweiler. When he was with the Broncos, he had a streak of those six games. He was, he was really good. And then he got signed to that huge contract by the Texans. Like, it's just quarterbacks, people take such big risks on quarterbacks and pay yeah. them so much money for so little, like Nick Foles. Nick Foles, I think it was that, a little bit of that Philly magic. I don't know if Nick Foles can be good because he was – he. I mean, I know he got hurt, but even when he was on the field in Jacksonville, uh, he wasn't that good. And I think we'll see. But I think it's just so easy for quarterbacks to be paid so much money. Yeah, I mean, that's – you know, it's kind of it, interesting you say that. You know, it's just – because you, you do see a lot of um, quarterbacks have one good year towards the end of their contract. And, you know, before they were, you know – mediocre, you know, middle of the road sort of guys, maybe replacement level, but they come in and they have this one really good year, kind of like Osweiler, um, kind of like Garoppolo, who Garoppolo, you know, was solid definitely last year for the 49ers, but um, yeah, and then teams will uh, take a gamble, give these guys big money, and then, you know, sometimes it works out, like Garoppolo is somewhat working out, they made it to the Super Bowl, uh, great season for the Niners, but uh. For Osweiler, uh, it definitely didn't. Um, so a lot of teams take huge gambles on QBs for sure. Yeah, and I think uh, this first-round pick is definitely a gamble because, you know, you think, okay, even if you do get a great quarterback, is it worth losing performance right now? Because you do still have Aaron Rodgers. You did go 13-3. and three. Um, You know, if you play a little bit better in the playoffs, you make the Super Bowl. So I think that... If they focused more on the offense, uh, bolstered it a little more with this draft, instead of looking towards the future, they could have looked towards the now and um, maybe even being a chance to win the Super Bowl. But now I don't think that's the case. Yeah, and uh, we're going to go on to, um, to my hot take now, which it's not a hot take per se. It's actually not at all. I was thinking about Ronald Acuna Jr. earlier. And I also was thinking about Juan Soto, and I thought – why not just compare this guy, these two players' stats from a completely unbiased standpoint and just, just like, observe it? And so I think Acuna's 22, Juan Soto's 21. Yeah. Uh, Acuna, um, he hit 293 his rookie year with a 917 OPS and 26 home runs in only 111 games. I mean, that's, that's some serious power. That's Aaron Judge-like power. Uh, in his second year, which was his first full year. He hit 280 with over 100 RBIs and an 8.83 OPS. He had 41 home runs and 37 stolen bases, which if not for injury, he would have been the fifth player in history to hit 40 home runs and 40 stolen bases in a season with A-Rod, uh, Barry Bonds, Jose Canseco, and Alfonso Soriano. And I just realized that would make him the first player to do 40-40 season that is not on steroids, assuming he is not on steroids. And um, he had a 5.7 war in the second season, a 365 on-base percentage, and an 122 OPS+. Now let's look at Soto. 
Soto had a 923 OPS. He hit 292 with 22 home runs in 116 games in his first season. His second year, he hit 282 with 110 RBIs and a 949 OPS. He had a 4.6 war with a 401 on base percentage, which is very impressive. He had an 138 OPS plus and 34 home runs his second year. So now let's get to the decision. I split it up into a couple categories. So power. I think obviously this is pretty easy. I mean, Soto's a big power threat, but Acuna just is one of the best power hitters in the game. He's like on MLB The Show when you choose your archetype and it's the rare anomaly of speed and power. He is the definition of speed and power. Yeah. Then you have contact slash getting on base. I think I got to hand this to Soto. I think with that over 400 on base percentage, uh, not taking anything away from Acuna, but um, I think I got to hand this to Soto. Speed, obviously, Acuna. Uh, Acuna almost had a 40-40 season. Arm strength, I go Acuna. And then fielding, I go Soto. And my case for Soto is just his ability to play well in the big moment and get hits off of good pitchers. We saw that in the wild card game in game five. And then the case against Soto is that Acuna is just a five-tool player, and he's just a more dynamic player than Soto. He's just faster and has more power. And then the case for Acuna is just uh, its pretty obvious. The speed, the power, his just, just electrifying play. And the case against Acuna is he strikes out a lot. And defensively, he got worse from 2018 to 2019. Well, Soto got better. My bottom line, I chose Acuna. I think his defensive mistakes are fixable. Because um, they're more of a mental lapse, there's just mechanical lapses, but Soto's are more of just his range and his lack of speed, which isn't something that, that's really that fixable. Uh, Soto's on-base percentage was a very compelling stat, but I think Acuna is a threat to steal 40 bags and hit 50 home runs every year. And I think in five years from now, Acuna will be a better fielder than Soto, even though right now I would give the fielding to Soto. And overall, I just think Acuna is a more dynamic player but, I, I mean, both players are fantastic players, and both are MVP caliber players. But so that's uh, that's my hot take. It's sort of not really a take or hot. but I mean, I, uh, I'll, I'll agree with that. I think that Acuna is definitely, I think, the more dynamic, uh, complete package of a player. And uh, I think that when you look at the production, I think every – arrow points towards Acuna um maybe not OBP but other than that I think uh Acuna is definitely the overall uh better player but I wonder if you guys think um maybe Juan Soto has the higher ceiling of the two you know oh go ahead um, yeah that that's kind of what I was gonna get at just um you know Acuna has been playing slightly longer than Soto um and Soto just had his first kind of big year just last year. Um, I, I think Soto just, um, he's so exciting to watch. Um, you know, I, I, I think he has more potential to be a more powerful, powerful hitter than uh, Acuna. And um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I do think that's an interesting point. I think... Um, you know, I, I think Soto may have a higher ceiling than Acuna when you look at it. But, um, I mean, th- it, it's no question. These guys, you know, in the next five years are going to be, you know, among, you know, top five players in baseball. I mean, 
Acuna, you could probably, you know, even make the argument for that right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, these guys uh, are the future of this game. Um, and they're both super fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's really splitting hairs with these two um, when it comes to baseball, baseball performance, and obviously their ceiling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and this is a hot take. I'm not saying that they will, but I'm saying that by the end of their careers, I think Acuna and Soto both had the potential to be two of the greatest baseball players of all time. I'm not saying they will be, but I'm saying that if they stay clear of injury and they continue on the same pace that they're at right now, I think that they have the ability and they have the potential to become two of the greatest baseball players of all time. Yeah, I mean, be, uh, I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, 21 and 22 years old, he said. I mean, it, it's yeah. incredible how um, how so many young players now, you know, you know, through the 2010s, you know, it became more common, you know, with Bryce Harper coming up. Um, but you have these young players just kind of becoming superstars, you know, right away. Um, yeah. And it's just like, it shows you, you know, that this league's changing and for the better. I mean, these guys are dynamic. They're, like I said, multiple times, so, so fun, fun to, to watch. watch. Oh my God. Yeah. And they really are more two and 3d dimensional, you know, not only being good hitters, but they're also fast. They're also great at fielding. It's really, it's really great to watch. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to move on to, um, Jack's dumb Twitter take of the day. Now I tr- I'm trying something a little different here. I want you guys to, to let me know, leave a voicemail. Uh, let me know if you, if you like it, uh, you guys can leave a voicemail at, um, at 202-743-1767. That is 202-743-1767. But anyway, the Jack's dumb Twitter take of the day is from John McLean, uh, at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. And this isn't like the last guy. This is a respected guy. He has covered the NFL for the Houston Chronicle for 43 years. He's on live sports radio on the zone in Nashville, He's, he's not an idiot, but this is an idiotic take. Well, not at the time. This was made on May 21st, 2014. Uh, here we go. Manziel is smart. He's matured. He knows he's no longer protected at A&M, at Texas A&M. He'll, he will handle his new situation with the Browns very well, and I think he'll, he will be one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL very quickly. How wrong he well, was. Uh, John, how did that turn out for you, buddy? Yeah, not not so well. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, you know, we were talking yesterday a little bit about Johnny Manziel, and uh, yeah, you know, uh, it, it's actually a sad story what happened to him. You know, it's just because you know he, he had potential. You know, he could he could have been something in the NFL, um, but you know, developed some bad habits in college, and um, I'm surprised more people didn't uh, uh, see his eventual. Um, you know, NFL demise kind of coming sooner. But, you know, I guess when you have as much hype as uh, Manziel had, um, it, it, it's kind of hard to root against. Um, but, yeah, you know, a lot of his issues were definitely off the field, um, off the field related. You know, he, I think it, uh, he went in with um, thinking he was uh, more than he was uh, into the NFL. 
and uh, I, that really hurt him. But yeah, in, an interesting take because I'm sure a lot of us probably believed that at the time. I mean, what do you guys think about that? I mean, I totally agree. I think that he he had so much hype surrounding him that it was such an unpopular opinion to think of him as a bust, um, to think that he would not be this great NFL quarterback that we all had him out to be. And when I'm talking about uh, quarterbacks that just got drafted, like I've said in a previous podcast, uh, like Justin Herbert, you know, it reminds me a lot. There's a lot of similarities between the two because maybe Justin isn't as hyped, but they definitely have the same flaws. They both have bad habits that they got away with in college that, I mean, they're definitely not going to get away with in the NFL. And you saw that with Johnny Manziel. It's something that scouts and GMs, they're, they might overlook it, and they have overlooked it because they w- need and want a franchise quarterback so badly that they're willing to overlook it and take that risk. Um, but that risk can uh, really bite them back in the butt. Yeah, it, it goes back to kind of what we were talking about before, just about um, how teams like take such you know big gambles at the QB position, uh, especially. And you know like, that's kind of what the Browns did. You know, they at the time needed a quarterback they were like the worst team in football by landslide you know they needed something they thought they found it with Manziel obviously didn't work out and uh you know we're still kind of figuring out what Baker Mayfield's story is going to be but do you guys think that could kind of end up being a you know very I mean it's already kind of you know appeared like a similar uh similar story what do you guys think yeah I don't know if it's uh it's two white guys drafted by the Browns, but um, I think it's just, I mean, I do see some similarities there, just like the way they carry themselves. I think the Browns kind of put on the blinders there when they uh, drafted Manziel. They just looked at his talent. I think ever since you saw the money Manziel thing, when he um, when he walked past the stage, you saw um, him giving the finger to the Redskins sideline in one of his first games. Uh, there's just so many – there were so many red flags. Yeah. I'm surprised that they didn't see it sooner. Because, I mean, I, I didn't watch him closely at uh, Texas A&M, but I'm sure that there must have been some things he's done that have not been something that NFL teams want to see in their franchise quarterback. Because if he acted that way in the pros, I'm sure he acted that way in college. And just that, that, that kind of puts the blame on the Browns scout, scouting department and their front office that they didn't see that sooner. And I think that this plays into all about – franchises taking these risks and overlooking red flags because again they need a franchise quarterback and you know kind of going back to the Packers here they do have a franchise quarterback in Aaron Rodgers and you know it, take it, it seems like they're they're trying to screw that up and maybe they're taking it for granted but as we were talking about Baker Mayfield um, just kind of looking at his stats 2018 had a great year as we all know great uh Great season, 27 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, which is a great ratio, and 3,700 yards with a 64% completion percentage, which is obviously a great rookie season. And do you think that the drop-off the next season uh, could be due to a lack of, um, you know, maybe he doesn't want to work as hard. Maybe he was already satisfied, and that mindset uh, led to his uh, poor performance in 2019. Yeah, um, well, because the Browns going into 2019 were hyped. I mean, some people had this team going 13-3, and three, you know, 
the I mean, they they just got uh, OBJ. You know, people were uh, Jarvis Landry. People thought the Browns were like going to be the team that year. Um, and maybe when you're going into a season like that, um, you don't have that um, yeah that passion to work hard anymore. I mean, and I'm sure. I mean, these guys are professional athletes. I mean, what am I talking? But you know, it's um. You know, just because the Browns were uh, went into the season with high expectations, maybe that has an, a negative effect on a team. Um, maybe they think they're already there. And uh, but yeah, I, I think that probably played um, a factor into uh, Baker Mayfield's big drop off. Now maybe with less pressure uh, on him going into twenty twenty, uh, going into twenty twenty, uh, maybe he won't be um, as bad as he was last year. Maybe he'll will improve back to where he was uh, during his rookie year. And um, uh, talking about the NFL just in general, I want to kind of get to something interesting. Um, we all are wanting sports back, but obviously that can't happen. Um, so something to kind of stimulate the sports mind here. Um, Pete Prisco came out with a top 100 NFL players um, of 2020. And I kind of just want to go through it, you know, tell me if you guys have any strong opinions about any players ranked where they are, if they should be ranked higher, or lower. Uh, what's your guys' opinion on that? Well, um, you know, I, I first pull up the list. Um, first thing you notice, it starts, uh, it goes from 1 to 100. So you, you see the top guys first. First thing you notice, Patrick Mahomes is the top player. And I, you know, I don't really know if that's even arguable. You know, I, I think that's a fact almost. Um, even though he uh, wasn't named MVP last year, you know, he had some injuries, but, uh, you know, he's been, you know, he won the Super Bowl. Um, he's just the complete package when it comes to uh, a QB. Definitely fitting to be number one. And then uh, you scroll a little down, uh, you know, you got Lamar Jackson, MVP at number seven. Um, Khalil Mack at number nine, like that. And then Aaron Rodgers at number 10. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think that that's pretty, pretty high. I think that we talked about Aaron Rodgers earlier. And I think that's just, I think he's fallen off a bit from last year. But the thing I really am interested in is at number 46, you got Dak Prescott. At number 60, Second, I think, yeah, sixty second. You got Deshaun Watson. Wow. Now, their stats. Even if you look at the stats, like they might be similar. I think Watson's a better quarterback. But you're telling me that there's that much of a difference between Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott, and then Carson Wentz, who I think, I mean, if Carson Wentz is healthy, which obviously he is not proven that he could stay in the field, yeah. I think he might. He might even be a better quarterback than Dak. And he's not even on the list. Well, and then, you, I mean, all these guys, I mean, a mile below Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I have the utmost respect for this guy. I mean, he's been great for so long. But if you're looking at uh, last year, you know, he, he played well. But I, I don't think um, I don't think you can put um, him above Prescott and Watson. I, 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 I don't, you know. Maybe you well, can, but I think that if, even if you, you know, do, 
Yes, he's kind of dropped off a little bit, if you could even call it that. I really disagree because, you know, when you look at a, a guy like Deshaun Watson, right, he, he throws more interceptions, has a worse completion percentage. Aaron Rodgers has that veteran mentality. And, you know, he had 4,000 yards, 26 interceptions to only four. I mean, 26 touchdowns, sorry, to only four interceptions. And that is a down year for Aaron Rodgers. And you're telling me he can't crack the top 10. I just, I, I don't think that Dak Prescott or Deshaun Watson um, are even close to this man. And I think uh, he deserves to be at the top 10. What I don't uh, completely understand here is Drew Brees. You know, Drew Brees at 11. Um, yep. Some would say high, some would say low. What do you guys think? Um, Drew Brees. Uh, you know, it, Drew Brees is a tough one because um, arm strength, uh, you know, isn't probably even near one of the top QBs in the league. And, you know, a lot of people make their judgment on uh, just pure athleticism, which, you know, Drew Brees is an athlete, but not one of the best athletic quarterbacks in the league. I, I think 11 is a good spot for him. Um, I think he should be above Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, he led the Saints to another great year, he, which he's been doing for a while. Um, Drew, you know, maybe he had better weapons than Aaron Rodgers, but, um, you know, you look at the numbers, and I, I just think uh, Breeze is the better QB. Um, I agree, you know, like, with the with the completion percentage aspect of it. You know, Drew Breeze, uh, 74% completion percentage, which is, I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. But what I think is that if you're going to say that, you know, Drew Breeze has better um, – like has a better receiving core you know you need a really like that's a big big disadvantage for Aaron Rodgers you know he has uh Adams and he really has nothing else to work with and yet he puts up stellar years year after year and it's not like the defense is incredible or the running game is incredible you know yes they're both good but without Rodgers that team is nowhere near the 13 and 3 record that they did have um and I don't think you can say the same um with a guy like Dak, I think that Rodgers just has a bigger impact on his team, um, a much more impact, big impact on whether they win or lose the football game. Yeah, before we move on, I just want to say another quick thing about Breeze. You know, now thinking about it, um, think about how much time Breeze missed uh, last year. And, you know, like Ori was saying, think about how much – uh, the Saints won. You know, Teddy Bridgewater uh, led the Saints to uh, a few wins, which really helped them uh, when it came to uh, playoff time. And, you know, so Drew Brees is obviously great and obviously one of the great quarterbacks in the league. But uh, maybe that um, suggests that his numbers should not be as high just because, you know, his team was still successful um, when he was not there. But, uh, well, yeah. Well, I, I think I think Drew Brees is is a good quarterback. I mean, I don't want to well, take obviously. anything away from him, Definitely. but I think I did mention earlier that I said that Aaron Rodgers fell off a little. I I want to I want to kind of change that statement. I don't want it to get messed up like perception wise. I don't think. I mean, obviously, like he did, he had a down year. I don't think he fell off. I think he had a down year. I think that's what I meant to say. I think there's a difference. I think next year 
he could very well have a strong year. He's only 36, which in quarterback years isn't really that old. I mean, when you see guys like Tom Brady and, and Drew Brees play till their early 40s and mid-40s in Tom Brady's case. Um, but I think, I think there's a case that Aaron Rodgers goes out there next year and is the Aaron Rodgers that we've seen all throughout this decade. And I think if that's the case, no one's going to be talking about Jordan Love at all. I think Aaron Rodgers knows this, and I think that's part of why he has a tendency to get a little, a little superficial at times. He wasn't really that upset publicly with the Jordan Love pick. Now, I'm sure privately he was fuming about this pick, but publicly he wasn't because he knows if he plays his game, Jordan Love is never going to see the field until he retires. So I think there's a good chance that he goes out there next year and put, puts up an Aaron Rodgers-like year. I agree. I totally agree. Um, that's going to kind of dictate what the Packers do. You know, if uh, Rodgers stays the way he has been, keeps performing extremely well um, throughout the next few years, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do um, with Jordan Love because um, yeah. they definitely want to get something. If they do trade him, they do want to get something back for him because, as you have noted before, they traded up obviously used a first-round pick on him. Yeah, so um, now we're going to move on to our uh, next segment, which is uh, On This Day in History. Now, um, I, w- I was searching, and I found an actually uh, surprisingly interesting uh, historical thing that happened today, May 22nd, um, in 19, let's see, 1990. Andre Dawson of the Chicago Cubs drew five intentional walks. Yeah, five intentional walks in a 16-inning game. Um, it was n- no team scored until the 13th inning. Um, it was pretty wild. The Cubs uh, beat the Reds on a walk-off uh, at Wrigley Field. But yeah, Dawson gets walked five times. And you know, I was just looking through some of his numbers today. And Andre Dawson one of the more underrated players of the 80s and 90s. A few years prior to uh, that game, he had over 40 home runs, winning the MVP award. So uh, he was a pretty solid player. <laughs> I think anyone who uh, gets the MVP can definitely be counted as a solid player. That's really <laughs> solid, yeah, that, that's maybe a little bit of understatement. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of an understatement there. <laughs> My bad. I, I'm looking at it. He had eight. Eight All-Stars, four Silver Slugger Awards, oh eight Gold Glove Awards. He got Rookie of the Year in the Hall of Fame. So. He was the complete pat. Yeah, I mean, Andre I mean, Dawson. <laughs> I guess to get uh, he's pretty he solid. That many times. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, solid is a, a vast, vast understatement. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah, that that that's that's very fascinating, Sammy. And we're gonna get we're gonna get into um this new game that we're going to play called the category game. So we're going to play it with baseball today, but in the future we might change up the categories and play it with football or, or basketball or just any other sport. And we, we divvied up some categories. So we have contact, power, speed, clutch, arm strength, and just glove. So glove is just fielding ability. It's not arm strength. It's like everything but arm strength. So basically the five tools of scouting – plus clutchness. So we all have a player that we think is the best at this one specific skill in the MOB. So like the best contact hitter in baseball, the most clutch player in baseball, or just the player with the strongest arm. So uh, we're going to start off with contact. Uh, which one of us, you guys want to go first? 
I don't. I, or you want to go first? Sure. Sammy's You're nervous. I'm to, I, no, I'm, I'm just Sammy's curious. Nervous. Nervous. Okay. Well, um, I did quite a lot of research on this one. Um, and I think you can't argue too much about it, but I'm interested to see if you guys have uh, somebody else. For speed, I'm talking about raw speed. We're not talking. Oh, about uh, say, oh, or let's start off with contact. Oh, we're starting off with contact. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right, contact. You guys are putting me on the spot here. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so I went uh, with Tim Anderson for contact. Um, mm-hmm. You know, batted three thirty-five last year. Uh, I think he's a player on the rise. I think he's just only and only he's only going to get better and better. Uh, I'm really excited about what he can do on the White Sox. And yeah, so my pick for uh, contact is Tim Anderson. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna disagree with that. Um, just you know, Tim Anderson is obviously one of the uh, rising stars. You know, super exciting player. Uh, love the guy, but um, I-, I think when you're talking about contact, even though he didn't lead the league in that batting average, he was a solid fourth, three twenty seven, and he's been doing this. Uh, for quite some time. And, you know, we're talking about, of course, you know, current players, but I think, uh, you know, it's important to just go into account, you know, that this guy has been doing this uh, for some time, proving that he, you know, is very capable of it. That is why DJ LeMayhew, I believe, is the best contact hitter in the game. And uh, Jack, are you going to agree with me on that one? I feel like you are. Well, uh, I think you're taking a wild guess and thinking, oh, who's the Yankee fan going to pick? Um, yeah, I, I think DJ LeMay. I think Tim Anderson uh, yeah, I, is a completely fair choice. Yeah, absolutely. But, and uh, I had notes written down for DJ LeMay, but you pretty much said them all. Uh, like, like you said, he hit 327 uh, this year. He hit 318 at home, or uh, 318 away, and then 340 at home. Uh, just under 200 base hits he had. Um, he led baseball with 389 batting average with runners in scoring position, and he's hit three. And like you said, he's been doing this for so long. He hit. He has hit over 300 four times in his career, and that's, that's not including one time where he hit just under 300 at 297. And he's just been doing this for so long. I mean, he's just like the dude is epitome of baseball. He's just, just, and he has. And it's not even that. He also has power. I mean, he hit over 20 bombs this year. I know that's not what we're talking about, but he's just so good. Yeah, and I mean, I think DJ LeMahieu is like, he's kind of the prototype for a, a great contact hitter. Like, yeah. you know, around like 20-ish home runs, uh, you know, which is not insane, but like, you know, solid power, you know, kind of slightly above average in that regard. Um, when you talk about like, you know, everyday guys, um, but yeah, I mean, 327, he's been doing this um, for so long. And I, I think LeMahieu is really, uh, like, if for players to model themselves as a contact hitter, I think LeMahieu is the guy to, uh, to look at. Okay, yeah. so uh, let's go on to... Power? Power? We're going power. to power. Yeah, let's, let's go to power. Um, I'll go first for this one. Um, I, I got Joey Gallo. I, I don't know how much of an argument it is. Um, you know, I'm sure you, one of you guys at least has different, um, different, you know, players uh, there, but let, let's just look at Gallo's numbers here. Um, last year he hit 22 home runs. Yeah. That's not that much, but that's only in 241 at bats 
in, in 70 games. Uh, and when this guy has a full year, he's hitting 40 and 41 bombs like he did in 2018 and 2017. So when this guy has a full year, when he's fully healthy, I, I, I think he's definitely the most powerful hitter in the game. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think, Sammy, I told you before the show that I had a strong feeling that uh, you would have the same guy. <laughs> yeah. And we do have the same guy. Joey Gallo. Uh, yeah. Joey Gallo. Uh, like you said, I mean, he was on pace to have another 40 to 50 home run season before he got injured. And he had yep. back-to-back 40-plus home run seasons two years ago and three years ago. And just his consistency, man. Just like his consistency of the hitting home runs. He's just so consistent. He never has a down year. And I think that's just really important when you think about it. Okay, well, I'll uh, differ from you two again here. Um, I'm going with Giancarlo Stanton. I'm hey. surprised that the okay. Yankee fan didn't choose this, but it is me. And reason being, you know, I do agree Joey Gallo has great pop, but I think when it comes to just pure raw power, Carlo, he just beats everyone else. You know, I've seen – I've never seen – a line drive home run before I watched him hit. And he has, uh, for 2019, in the regular season, he has the top two hardest hit balls and an exit velocity of 120 and 119 miles per hour. And if a guy can hit it that hard, I think he's very uh, worthwhile in the conversation of uh, best power in the MLB. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, why I go with Carlo. I think someone else who uh, none of us are mentioning right now, but I think could be in the conversation, is uh, maybe a little bit of a hot take again. But uh, I think Kyle Schwarber could be in the conversation. Your inner um, your inner Cubs fan is showing. My, my, you my know, Ky- Kyle Schwarber. I do not think he's in the conversation, Sammy. I apologize. He's a he's a good player, but you're. I think there's only really three players in the conversation. I think. Giancarlo Stanton is a valid point. I think Aaron Judge is also a valid point you can make. Obviously, he's Aaron Judge. I think Joey Gallo is a valid point you can make. And maybe one or two other guys like Pete Alonzo. But I don't think Kyle Schwarber is one of those guys. Well, I mean, because Kyle Schwarber, um, he's, I mean, he's been hitting like mid-30s home runs every year, which is... Sammy. I mean, Sammy, <laughs> mid-30s. We're talking about guys that are hitting 40 to 50 home runs a year. And, I mean, Kyle Schwarber is a good player. But, I mean, he's not, he's not Aaron Judge. And he's not, he's not Giancarlo Stanton. We're going to just isolate it into power here. Giancarlo Stanton, well, on the field, is a very good player. Yankees fans give him a lot of shit that he does not deserve. He's a very good player. And he's, just, he's not as good as Joey Gallo or Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton, I think when it comes to power. I mean, I see your point, Sammy. You know, you see consistent, great home runs uh, when it comes season after season with Kyle. Yeah. Uh, but, again, I think if you're talking about just raw, raw power, you know, yeah, he's up there, but I do not think um, – I'm going to politely disagree with you on that one. But I mean, let's go well, to... I, I just have one more point for Schwarber. Um, okay. You know, you, you're talking about exit velo. Uh, I'm just looking right now. Um, Schwarber's eighth in baseball, which is not first, but – and th- that's his max exit velo, which is uh, 117.6. I'm just double-checking Sammy's math here. Eight is, in fact, not first. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, not not first, yeah, but true. um, <laughs> at, but uh, yeah. Uh, you, you know, he's up there with guys like Yelich. I mean, who I I think could be in the argument up there with guys like Trout. Who, yeah, I'd say know, so. And he's above uh, both of the guys that we mentioned. Uh, he's above Stanton, and he's above Joey Gallo. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think Schwarber, I'm just saying he should be in the conversation. In, in I, I think Gallo is the most powerful. In exit below? Hmm? You said he's above Stanton and Gallo in exit below? Uh, top exit below. Uh, who was number one on that list? Uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Really, I, he's yeah. another guy. I think he, he's young to the point where he, he definitely has not hit his max potential. But but anyway, let's move on to the next category here, which we have speed. Now we all talked about this before the show. We, we're not going to spend much time on this one. We all have it unanimous. Ori, you want to say it? All right. So another Tim on my list. Tim Lacastro here. My boy. Um, I chose him. I think it's pretty obvious why. I mean. The man is just an absolute beast on the base paths. He is so fast. Um, you know, he's got the highest sprint speed when it comes to feet per second at 30.8. From home plate to first, he's got the the fastest in the league, I'm pretty sure, here at 3.94 or maybe tied fastest. Um, I mean, I, I just think it, it's pretty unanimous there. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because LeCastro, he's an interesting player just because, I mean, that's kind of why he's there. I mean, he's there because he's just, like, insanely fast. Uh, his stats, um, you know, to one home run, uh, hit 250, which is actually a lot higher than I thought. But, uh, yeah, 17 RBIs, you know. And, you know, 250, which isn't bad by any means. Um, but, I mean, he's really... He's there because he is um, insanely fast. Yeah, for sure. I think that's definitely why, um, you know, the, the Diamondbacks do love him there. Um, so let's go to what's next here. Clutch. Arm strength or clutch? I Clutch, clutch. Clutch is next? All right. Oh, yes, that is. Next. So I think we do have uh, some differing opinions here. Uh, Jack, you want to start it off? Uh, yeah, I do want to start it off. and. You know, I was thinking I could do DJ LeMayu. I don't think anyone would argue with that. I could do – I mean, there's a lot of guys I could do on this list. But I think I went with Anthony Rendon, and I think that will okay. surprise some people. I could but, totally see that. Uh, according to Advanced Metrics, he had six home runs in high leverage at-bats last season. We all saw what he did in the playoffs. He hit 318 in the playoffs last year, which is just very, very good. He had a home run. He just played. He carried the Nats to that World Series. Him, from the offensive standpoint, he carried them to the World Series. I think also he hit a three sixty five with runners in scoring position last year, and he hit three sixty two with runners in scoring position and two outs. So that's why I think I have him as clutch. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go with um, as much as I hate him. Christian Yelich, uh, just I, you know, I totally respect him just because he's on the Brewers and I'm a Cubbies fan. God, he's so good. But Christian Yelich, um, I'm surprised actually he n- none of you guys mentioned him for anything else because, I mean, I think you could almost make an argument uh, that this guy could be um, one of the best in any of these categories, maybe everything but speed. 
I mean, but yeah, uh, we're talking about clutch right now uh, in later close games, high leverage situations. Um, I guess I'm not sure if it's the, the exact same stat, but uh, he's hitting 456, which is 30 points above uh, Xander Bogart, who's next on the list. I mean, I, I think that's a pretty important stat when we look at uh, clutchness. Um, and, you know, you're talking about Rendon carrying uh, the Nationals. And I think, although I think uh, the Brewers definitely have more pop in their lineup than the Nationals do. Um, Yelich almost kind of yeah. carries this team in a very similar way. Um, his presence was really missed when he was hurt last year. But when he's there, I mean, it's it's a very different team. And I, I think that's a big part of uh, what makes a clutch player. So, I mean, I... I think Christian Yelich is uh, the most clutch player in baseball. Ori, what do you got to say? Okay, well, um, he might not be as good as he used to be. I'm going with an older player. Um, But his stats in the playoffs, um, which is kind of what I went off, um, just because I believe that, you know, the most intense – um, high-pressure situations are the playoffs. And when it's most important and most difficult to perform well is the playoffs. So I'm going to go here with Albert Pujols of the Angels. And, you know, when you're looking at this guy, he played in 74 playoff games um, for St. Louis. Um, he hit 18 home runs, 54 RBIs, and a 330 batting average. Um, and they won two World Series titles in that time. Uh, not only that, he didn't strike out a lot in that in those 74 games. Um, only 39 strikeouts. And if you look a little bit closer, uh, let's just take 2011 World Series, for example, here. Pujols batted 353, a 6.91 slugging percentage. And, I mean, in one game, game three, he especially played well when he slugged in three home runs with six yeah. total RBIs. I mean, the guy is insane in October, and I think that that's really what makes a player clutch is, you know, yeah, there's going to be important games in during the regular season, and there's going to be important moments in many of those games. But I think that at the end of the day, that's just to win one game. But to be clutch in the playoffs is to win a series, is to win a ring, you know? is to win a championship. I think that that is what truly does make a player clutch. And Pujols is incredible at it. And um, his performance in the playoffs is why I choose his clutch uh, for the best in the major leagues. Yeah, I mean, th- th- that's one thing that uh, slightly weakens my argument, actually, because uh, as insane stats as Yelich uh, puts up, um, the Brewers, I've... Uh, you know, no ring, haven't made it to the World Series in years. You know, Yelich has never been in a World Series. And, you know, those are just things, you know, you can't really argue with. I mean, I think if you're looking at consistent clutch, um, just talking about, you know, recent players, I do believe Yelich has done that, you know, just throughout the regular season. But, I mean, if you're talking about, you know, during the playoffs and maybe over the past decade, I, I I think it's you know hard to argue Albert Pujols like Ori was saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, now that clutch is done with, let's go to uh, arm strength. All right. I'm curious. To, uh, well, what do you guys have to say? I'm curious, actually. Uh, can I start this one off, guys? Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, I think uh, Ramon Laureano here for the A's. 
Uh, he led the league in outfield assists back to back. I think, I think he's pretty much pretty much the guy for this category. I think if it was a couple years ago, you could go Cespedes. You could go, uh, you could go Aaron Hicks as a guy that has a cannon. You could Yasiel Puig, but I think Ramon Laureano is my guy here. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna go with um, Bryce Harper actually. Um, you know. And you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't have any stats to really back this up, but I really think it just comes down to this: you're not going to run on Bryce Harper, like you know, it, it's you know, it, it's just a hard thing to do, you know. Um, he has a cannon, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think Bryce Harper has the uh, strongest arm in baseball. And I mean, I disagree. I agree with Jack here, actually. Okay. Um, I also took. Uh, Ramon Lariano, uh, you, you talked about what it, with the ten field, uh, the ten outfield assists, but I want to talk about this one play in particular where he plays for the A's, and um, I don't know exactly who they were playing, but he caught a ball in deep center field all the way to the warning track, and then threw a guy out at first base who was uh, who thought it was gone, and um, he did that on a one hop and. I mean, it's just it's just crazy what some of these players can do. Uh, I do agree, you know, when it comes to Harper's arm, he's definitely got a cannon. And a lot of these uh, right fielders do obviously have cannons, and there's a lot of fear factor that comes in with, you know, trying to run on Bryce Harper. But I do agree with Jack here with uh, Ramon Lariano. All right, you, you guys want to go to uh, our last category, um, best love. What, what, what are you guys thinking? I think we should all say it on three and see if you agree. All right, everyone all right, ready? Let's, let's, uh, all right. There's no way you guys I think I think Sammy might agree with me on this one. I have a sense when Sammy agrees with me on stuff like the Joey Gallo one. All right, all right. All right let's, let's, that uh, way, at first, is your player an infielder or an outfielder? Infielder. 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 All right. We all, all have right. the same person. One, right. two, three. Andrew Bobby Bobby Simmons. Oh. What? What, Sammy? That's a le- I mean, that's fair. Wait, wait, who, who do you choose? Who do you choose? Javi Baez. Baez. Javi Baez and Jack? Okay. Andrelton Simmons. Yeah, I agree. Okay. He had a ba- down here um, defensively, though. Simmons did last year. Javier Baez, um, his, uh, his fielding percentage is not going to speak for him. You know, he makes errors. But when you're talking about, I mean, throwing errors for the most part, but when you're talking about his glove, right? And, you know, that's his ability to field That's fair. Ball. That's fair. I mean, this guy has range um, better than a lot of shortstops. I mean, he, he, he could play second base almost better than anyone. He could play third base almost better than anyone. His tagging ability, um, you know, yeah. of course, he's the only you know, guy. everyone knows. He, you know, yeah. he's an incredible tagger. Um, the only guy I ever know that there are compilations of him on YouTube of just him tagging. Yeah, I mean, you know, Javi Baez um, – you know he's actually uh, left-handed naturally, and I, that gives him the ability to have a, a great glove. And I, you know, I, I just, I think because of that, I think you know, not because of the handedness or anything, just you know, because of all those things, I think Javier Baez um, has the best glove. And I mean, Simmons is a very valid argument, um, smooth. Um, but I think. You know, when you talk about just ability to make plays that not a lot of other, not a lot of other guys can make, I think Javier Baez uh, is that guy. Okay, I mean, I think it's fair. It's a fair argument. I mean, obviously he's a beast. 
Um, I just remember this one play when he was uh, playing internationally, and he points at the catcher um, yeah, while he's I remember that. tag at second. Um, that was pretty, pretty iconic image there of Javi, but I go with Andrew Alton Simmons. So does Jack. Jack, uh, wh- why'd you go there? Well, you know, with Andrew Alton Simmons, he's just one of those guys. I don't even like – he's just one of those guys that think of shortstops. He's the guy you think of but from a defensive standpoint. He plays one of the hardest positions on the field from a fielding perspective. He's he's just so good. I mean, I didn't even write down stats to back him up because I you just you don't need to. He's so good. He's just so good. I mean, have you, if if you haven't seen a compilation of him fielding, oh my god, it's magic. It's magic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I I um I totally agree. Um, he he's just so smooth, as you said. Makes routine plays look just as easy as extremely difficult plays and. I think that when it comes to fielding ability, yeah, Javier Baez is great. But the professional quality when watching and Dalton Simmons play is just ridiculous. And as you mentioned, you know, he plays shortstop. That's uh, definitely one of the most uh, difficult positions to field. And he does it so smoothly. Javier Baez, yeah, he plays some shortstop, but he also plays second. So when it comes to difficulty factor, maybe you look at that. But well, I still mostly, think that Simmons. Now. I, I still think Simmons in general is just the better fielder, which is why me and Jack both chose him. But let's go on um, to my segment, my your personal favorite segment. Favorite segment. Everyone, everyone listening here, uh, you know, you like my segment the most. And that is I do. Corey's Amazon product of the day. And I, I got a pretty good one for you guys today. Um, I really do have a good one. So, you know, you, you wash your dog. Everyone has dogs. Most people have dogs. I don't have a dog. I have a dog. <laughs> but m- most people have dogs. Corey is not a dog person. And I am not a dog person, but I still am trying to be totally inclusive. So I wanted to help all the dog owners uh, listening. And after you wash your dog, if they're big, if they're annoying, you know, they're going to be wet and they're going to be running around the house. So how do you dry them? Do you dry them with a towel, a blow dryer? How do you do it? Who well, tries their dog just with a go, Just go to Puff and Fluff dog dryer. Um, oh it's basically God. like a sack that you put on your dog. <laughs> and it, it, I guess it heats up your dog and it does dry them. Uh, and although you might be skeptical, I think you I should all give it a try out there. Yes, I'm it's a little expensive, um, $70, but, oh. but I mean, think about What's all its the rating? How many stars? Yeah, you, you don't get an annoying dog anymore. He's always going to be nice and puff and fluff, I guess. Um, but let's go on to the most important thing, which is reviews. So... I do see a lot of one stars, which <laughs> might, might put you off. Um, so, but let, let's, let's read uh, some of these one stars and see, you know, why, why do they not like um, th- this, this product that I believe is amazing. Uh, Canine Life says, um, buyers beware. This is dangerous. 
Dogs have high resting body temperatures averaging from 101 and 102.5 degrees. This will potentially cook your dog and overheat him or her. Now, oh my God. maybe this is a valid point. You know, Jesus Christ, this is like a murder machine. Oh my, <laughs> oh my God. God. Maybe it's Ori, a valid what point, is this? but listen. listen. Ori, you should not be endorsing this. I, no, but listen, listen. Look at it. From my perspective, it's a win-win. You know, you either get a dry dog that's not annoying, or you don't have a dog anymore to be annoying. So <laughs> oh my God, you're I, I endorse this product, Puffin oh my Dog Dryer. You know, you know, we always have this problem because my dog hates getting dried, and he always tries to chew. He always tries to grab the towel with his mouth and run away and chew the towel, and he hates getting dried. And it's, and then he gets into the house with with his shaggy wet fur and he starts shaking it everywhere. My mom gets pissed and he goes on the carpet and my mom's like, Oh my God, he's on the carpet. And then he goes on the couch and my mom's like, Oh my God, he's on the couch. Check, do something. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? Well, you anyway. can go buy a puff and fluff. Yeah. And then she'll be like, and then, yeah, dog? Oh my like, God. Jack, why is the dog dead? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I don't have a dog, but I, I do not believe I would get the, uh, I don't believe don't I get, get the puffin product. Puff, don't get this product. Ori, puffin flight. You, what, what is it called? Puffin. Puff. Puff. Everyone watching who wants it, P U F F, puff, and then just an N, and then fluff. F L U. Now you said that, you said puffin on like Amazon's on Amazon's like official page. It said how many stars does it have? Is it one star? Three point five. You know that's not too bad. So you said two point five. Three point five. Three point five. And have you actually tested this product out on yourself? Now, I would not recommend this for human use. Um, I don't own a dog, so I was not actually able Unless to. Unless you have a friend like Ori, you want to dry him off, good. It's a win win situation. He's dry or he's dead, and you don't have to worry about being friends with Ori anymore. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess they could uh, start promoting this for humans as well. That's an interesting point, Jack. I think I'm yeah. going to have to email. Yeah, but that concludes Ori's segment. And now we're getting into the voicemail segment, which if you guys. Want to leave a voicemail? You can do that at 202-743-1767. That is 202-743-1767. Please, please, please leave voicemails. Ask questions. Do whatever you got to do. We will be playing them and answering them on the pod. Uh, We have one voicemail today. And so, yep, here it is. Hey, guys. um, Podcast is great. Uh, you guys were saying that you were worried about the coaches and the umpires for starting baseball up again. I was wondering what you guys think of implementing uh, more technology to try to keep the umpires and coaches safe. Um, so I know some minor leagues have already experimented with um, with using just like software to call pitches, and um, maybe the coaches could have like just, like radio into the dugout. You have to come up with some other solution for first and third base, but I think those could be viable solutions. Just wondering what you guys think of that. Thanks. All right. Uh, thank you to whoever called in. Next time, you should leave your name so we can thank you. But uh, I think that the um, the electronic strike zone is something that could be implemented this season. I think this is a season where you're going to get wacky. You're going to get weird. You won't get, you're going to want to test new things. And I think that it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to test that out this year for future years. And also, it would keep umpires safe. You have guys like Joe West running around that are 2,000 years old that will faint in the middle of a game. I mean, that's pretty dangerous for, dangerous for, the, for the health of the players. 
the health of him and also the health of just the game. I mean, when he's calling pitches balls that are right down the middle. I mean, but but I think there's always going to be some level of risk involved because there's always going to be that grounds crew person or just that manager that I don't think the real life system is that. Um, I think that I don't know how, how good of an idea, like how easy that would be to work. I think it's a little complicated. Well, to refer uh, managers to relay stuff like are they not going to be in the dugout or are they not going to be on the field or are they going to be in the stands because I did see something saying that pitchers that aren't pitching that day are going to have to sit on the stand in the stands which I've been at a baseball game when it's 105 degrees outside not fun yeah but, um go ahead Sammy yeah, uh, you know, I, I think implementing uh, some more technology you know I was kind of talking about this uh, the other day on our first podcast. Um, but I, I think it's a great idea because, um, you know, there's a lot of new things MLB has kind of been talking about, trying to do for some time now. And um, this is the year since, you know, like you said, it's kind of weird and wacky, um, you know, with the shortened season. And, uh, you know, if there is a season, which I, I feel like there will be, um, I, I feel like this is the year to try some new things, maybe like the electronic strike zone. And uh, not necessarily that everyone would be in favor of those things, but just see how they work. Um, you know, just see if, um, Absolutely. yeah, see if they would work uh, in a major league game. If they do, if people uh, have positive feedback, maybe you continue that. If not, now you know, and now you don't do it. But this is a great year to be able to uh, test some things out for sure. Yeah, I mean, I totally see the point here. It's a very, very valid argument for an electronic strike zone, for instance, you know, that does take out at least one person uh, from the whole game. But I don't think that something like this is going to make it easier to get back to sports. Um, I think that regardless of whether they have an electronic strike zone or they do have a real-life umpire, I think the game is going to come back in the same time. Like, it's not going to speed up the process um, of when the this this sport um, does come back, but I do agree. I do think that it'll be nice to see perfect calls being made, and you know you don't have umpires uh, changing the course of a game. But you also have to think of this. You know, even if you do have an electronic uh, electronic strike zone, do you not have a home plate umpire? Do you, and then what do you do about first base and third base umpires? It, it, it's a lot of unanswered questions that. I think the MLB is probably running through their heads right now. And, you know, in the coming weeks, it's going to be very interesting uh, to see exactly what they implement um, because they do say that they are going to start playing um, very soon. Yeah, you know, with the um, electronic strike zone, you know, I, I think now's the time, you know, if they're going to try it out, to try it out, like I was saying. But j just in general, um, I, you know, I feel like you can't take umpires out of the game because they're a part of the game. Um, it's something players adjust to, um, you know, you, I'm sure you guys remember, you know, we've had, you know, some questionable umpires, um, over, you know, our years playing together, but part of, uh, part of the game of baseball is, um, uh, kind of recognizing the umpire strike zone and adjusting, uh, and making that mental adjustment. And I feel like that's something you can't take away, you know, um, there's just certain parts of the game that make it baseball, and I feel like that's one of them. You know, if they're going to try an electronic strike zone, like I said, now's the time, but I feel like um, it's changing the game uh, too radically if uh, 
that's a permanent change. I'd agree with that statement. I think it's something that maybe 20 years from now, people are going to say, oh, I can't believe they didn't go to electronic strike zones earlier. But I think I just, I just, I don't want to see it. I think it just makes the game a little bit less enjoy. It'll just look odd. You know, it won't look like baseball. And I actually saw a funny video on Instagram of uh, they, they actually implemented electronic strike zones in some minor league games and some like low unaffiliated ball. Yeah. And I saw this player actually got ejected for arguing balls and strikes with an electronic umpire. It was the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. And like the pitch really? didn't look like a strike, but like, you look at it on like the the um if you ever ha- follow a game on MLB GameCast like at bat yeah uh, it showed it was in the strike zone and I I do think I mean I wonder how people fifty years ago thought about the DH yeah but that's, that's a whole other dis- discussion for another day I have a feeling Sammy being an L- NL fan will have a very different opinion uh, than I do and I actually get very yeah. heated about that dis- discussion really I- I'm excited to have that in very the- heated. Uh, but anyway, uh, that about wraps up our podcast. Uh, Sammy, anything last words? Any last words? Yeah, you know, um, just like the other day, you know, super excited, you know, getting our second episode. Um, it's fun talking about, uh, fun talking about all these uh, different topics with you guys. And um, yeah, definitely, uh, if you guys liked it, leave a voicemail, leave a comment on our Instagram, uh, chatter uh, underscore cheap seats pod. Um, if you guys liked it. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening all the way to the end. Really appreciate it. Ori? Yeah, uh, kind of piggybacking off of what Sam said. Thanks so much for uh, for listening in. And we're going to start coming out uh, with episodes regularly, two times a week, every Tuesday, Tuesday and Friday. And Friday Fridays um, in the morning, right when you wake up. It will be uploaded. Uh, so, yeah, thanks so much. Uh, yeah, also... Uh, I just wanted to say we were planning on doing uh, an NFL kind of review thing. So we would go by division and do like NFC East and uh, just go work our way through the entire NFL and bring on guests. We're definitely going to have an interview coming at you soon. Uh, but if you guys would like to see that, uh, leave a comment on our Instagram page on our most recent post. Um, if you want to leave a voicemail, you can do that at 202 202- Seven four three one seven six seven. That is two zero two seven four three one seven six seven. You can leave. You can follow us on Instagram at chatter underscore cheap seats pod. That is chatter underscore cheap seats pod. And we are definitely looking into making a Twitter. So if you guys would like to see that, let us know. I think I am very active on my own personal Twitter account, which you can follow at jack underscore feldman two eight two. I post a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, the plug. I post uh, Seinfeld, if you guys know that show. Sopranos, if you know that show. A lot of Yankee stuff. Just a lot of sports stuff in general. Uh, Larry David, love that guy. But anyway, uh, that about wraps up this episode. Uh, see you guys next time on Chatter in the from the Cheap Seats pod.